Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Today's podcast, we're going to be looking at UK equities. We have three lined up today that we're going to be getting stuck into a little bit later on. In the podcast, looking here, they're all nicely up. So it's a very positive news to be had uh, later in the podcast on these three shares. But we're also going to be looking at the key market themes. And to do that, we have with us once more, Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Hello, John. Good to be back. So, Alan, as I mentioned, we've got three companies here nicely up on the day. So we're going to be look, we're going to be looking at those a little bit later on. Uh, some some interesting updates from those companies. But as I said, we're going to be looking at what's driving the main indices here in the UK and overseas this morning. And of course, Alan, that is the inflation data, 10.1%. Yep. Uh, joint with July's reading of 10.1%, the highest for 40 years. It was more than expected by uh, economists. It was the consequence of rising food prices uh, based on a uh, on a lower pound, making those products more expensive. And that was the main driver of uh, of that high inflation read this morning. But Alan, looking at these figures here, looking at the market, looking at the FTSE 100, we're down half a percent. We're, we're back beneath uh, that 6,900 level. We were above 7,000 very, very briefly yesterday. And we've, of course, got a backdrop of uh, backdrop of, of a political, well, a political debacle really going on in, in Downing Street. But you know, when we're looking at these markets, Alan, you know, when do you think, or, or, or do you think that you know, at some point, the market will shift their attention from you know looking at what's going on in the politics and start to look at these growth figures that aren't particularly good and think, okay, maybe we're trading in a range here between that sort of sixty eight hundred level up to around 7,000, it's been very tight. You know, is there a shift to be had towards growth figures that could see the market break beneath those uh, those levels there? I think that's very possible, John. Um, I mean, just looking at the numbers this morning, um, uh, as you rightly said, it's food and non- non-alcoholic beverages uh, drove really drove this inflation number. And when you're faced with that sort of number, all I can say is thank God that um, Jeremy Hunt was brought in to reverse the, the budgetary measures introduced by um, get, by uh, uh, Quasi Karteng and co. And, uh, you, you know, have, have, you have to ask, just on a political basis, why is Liz Truss still in power? I mean, she's abjectly failed to uh, deliver on that mandate. It simply was the wrong mandate, so she should now do the decent thing and walk. Anyway, anyway... Uh, 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 Politics aside, politics aside, the the drivers have said food and non-alcoholic beverage prices up fourteen half percent in September, the biggest jump since April nineteen eighty. Which is um, you know that that's a that's a very worrying trend. I mean that uh, that affects all the fam every family in the UK at the most fundamental level. So so they have to deal with this, and um, of course we're in the we're in the middle of this perfect storm. We're still dealing uh, on a domestic level with the results of Brexit and some, you know, the difficulties in in uh, in in bringing stuff into the UK with the restructured um, uh, uh, import and export tariffs and all all that that entails. Um, so um, yeah, I think the market has to has to focus, and I think I think it's very likely if these sort of numbers continue, 
It's going to start to impact on spending. It's already impacting on spending power. So we're going to see this uh, this uh, um, this ongoing. And uh, uh, of course, we're coming up to the Christmas time of year. And I think you know the hopes for Santa rally, uh, whilst they're not completely dashed, I think with these sort of numbers continuing to um, continuing to to emerge, it shows that we are you know we're potentially on. on 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 the verge of I think another dip in the markets, so um, it, it's it's a concern, um, and of course now although Hunt has acted to stabilise the market in one way, of course a lot of those uh, measures such as the uh, uh, the energy bill price caps and all the rest of it, those there's now uncertainty over those ongoing, um, and of course I think I think Hunt's got to get his feet under the table and you know really get to grips with it before we can really. Uh, uh, make a prediction for the future, but certainly on balance at the moment, I think um, we're more likely to dip below six thousand eight hundred than we are uh, pop back above seven thousand. But I hope I'm wrong. Indeed, indeed, I think it's actually quite an interesting scenario that we're going to see in markets over the next couple of weeks because you know so far this year it's been inflation data, it's been what the Bank of England are doing, it's been what the Federal Reserve. Uh, are doing and of course it's you know in the last month it's been what Liz Truss's government has been doing dictating markets but I think we're now at the stage where you're looking at inflation and and you know 10.1 percent yes we're down half percent on the FTSE 100 but it's not a huge it's not a huge move by by any stretch of the imagination I think that the market's become a little bit desensitized to some extent by these big inflation um, data that would suggest to me that it's been priced into markets yeah so it's actually, yeah, a, a, a situation now, Alan, where I, I can see for for the first time in, uh, in in many months, you know, over the next couple of weeks, the market's actually been driven by company earnings that are coming out. We've got some of the big US tech giants reporting next week. You know, that's likely to set the tone for the market going into uh, the bank, central bank meetings in November. And I think people are going, okay, yes, we've got inflation. We've got all of this noise going on in the economy. But what's actually happening to company earnings? We had Netflix last night uh, report. They they had some good figures. They were up about 15% overnight in the US. So that shows some strength there. That's given some support to, to US markets. So you know, if we start to see company earnings coming through in a, in a positive fashion, that may provide some support. But you know, going back to what, what you say, uh, Alan, it's very difficult to see it. Getting back over seven thousand was any real conviction in the short term, given the backdrop that we've got yeah, on, on I, the politics. I, I, I really hope you're right there, John. But um, and you're right. You know, we are entering company earnings season. And of course, the job of the chancellor and the government is to really provide a stable backdrop for markets to operate on. So we're not focused on what the government are doing. We're focused on company earnings. So you know, the, the hope is very much that Jeremy Hunt will will uh, uh, continue to deliver. And you know find that balance between pr- uh, providing support for families you know in as we go into this winter of discontent and also um, a stable backdrop for companies uh, that are doing well and that are earning well to really um, for, for those results and achievements to be reflected in the markets yes indeed so we're going to move on to some of those results now so I'll tell you at the beginning of the podcast that these companies were all nicely up on the day. So I hope they all still are now. So yes, they are. Uh, well, for the first one is, uh, it's ASOS, Alan. Uh, currently looking here up 12% on the day, £5.50. Uh, obviously, a, no- a nice performance on the day. But if you look at the all-time highs of this stock around £80, we're trading at a fraction, a fraction of... Uh, 
of where we were, um, you know, down 90% over that uh, or or more over that period. But there is positivity today, Alan, that they had their final results. So so what are the key takeaways from that? Well, there is. I mean, ASOS, of course, was the darling of the dot-com boom. And really, I think that was the, it was the company that probably epitomised in the UK, um, you know, the sort of achievements that uh, that could be sort of made you know with an online business um and I, i've got a great little story for you um when the company first floated several colleagues of mine were invited to participate um i think the i think the ipo was a 5p so they participated and um one colleague uh, you know who's a great friend um and he he uh, he knows who he is <laughs> said to me said to me at the time well he said i looked at the business and he said it was online i couldn't understand it so I sold out at AP, and of course we got, of course we know what happened. What happened then? I think um, ASOS shares hit all time highs around uh, seventy pounds a share. So hugely successful business. But of course, um, you know other retailers like Next have uh, understood the ASOS model and moved to compete in recent years. And it it, it does make me wonder looking at these numbers. I mean, you know, the, the company turned over, you know, 3.9 billion still. So that's still a pretty impressive number. But of course, it was dragged down in recent weeks uh, uh, with news, of, of course, and and uh, rumours that it was going for a line of credit, which of course, it has now secured. Um, and I think the, the markets maybe responded negatively to that. Um, because again, being an online business, you would expect it to be highly profitable. Uh, you know, you look at other companies uh, that have a pure online offering. But of course, uh, ASOS requires warehousing, it requires distribution, uh, logistics, all of that. So so I understand that the, the costs um, do mount up. But, um, you know, it's really struggling to to deliver profit. And, of course, um, uh, first half, the first half of the year, we saw a, a loss driven by price reductions, a loss of $32 million from a profit of $177 million previously. Um, and, uh, you know, the... the the company lowered guidance earlier on the year, um, and uh, it, it, the, it's also written off 130 million in excess stock because the, the company built inventory up to th- uh, thinking it could sell those uh, sell the inventory, um, and of course it's been unable to do that. So you know, 130 million write-off is you know that's pretty that's uh, that that shows pretty poor management, I think. And of course we have the new CEO in place now that. Um, that uh, is is in place to de- uh, to deal with that Jose uh, Calamonte. But um, but anyway, uh, that aside, um, I think looking forward, um, uh, Calamonte said that the companies recognise it needs to improve the way uh, it operates to unlock the opportunity further of its global reach. So work is afoot, I think, to trim those costs. Um, and uh, he said, you know, in recent years the quest for growth has resulted in ASOS becoming excessively capital intensive, too overstretched, too complex, um, which has impacted on growth um, in its key markets. So, you know, uh, there's at least there's a frank admission, the companies recognise what's wrong. And I think on on the back of that, certainly the share price response this morning up 12% to 549 pence or £5.49 is good news. Um, Gives the company a market capitalisation of just over half a billion. That's down from the billions it was worth previously so um would you would you buy this now i, I, I mean I, i'm looking at it and and i think uh, well you know it's come off all those uh, come off those highs but i think what we've got to see is tangible 
evidence, first of all, um, that this company is actually uh, uh, it's actually turning the super tanker around in that it's cutting costs um, and those are starting to impact on the bottom line. So we see improved profitability, better EBITDA numbers um, and uh, a recipe for growth going forward. So, yeah, big tick in the box for the new CEO, but still a work in progress. Yes, I think what you've alluded to there, Alan, with with these results is not so much good news. It's just slightly better than bad news that that they've they've had. I mean, you know, a loss for a company like Atos that's been operating for the time that they have now. Of course, when they first came to the market, uh, it it was novel. It's one of the most successful technology stories here in the UK and, uh, you know, what we've seen over the last 15 years. Uh, here in the markets, of course, you outlined there the, the moves that it's had at the beginning of its life. But now, you know, looking at where it is now, it's an established business. And, uh, and you know, operating online, you know, it is one that you think would have favourable margins compared to the bricks and mortar retailers. However, you know, the, the complexities that you alluded to there means that that hasn't been the case. And we're going into, uh, as you said, a, a cost of living crisis, which makes it difficult to see the next quarter being any positive than the, than the last quarter and possibly the quarter after that as well is going to set to be a, a, tef, a tough quarter for them. So looking at them here, yes, you know, the news today's you know, not terrible. It's slightly better than that. I think that's why we see the share price movement. Mm. But I think we're going to have to see more from, from ASOS in, in terms of their strategy before there's any real confidence given I to think, this uh, yeah, I think, stock. I think if I were a holder and I bought in over the past month or so, then I'd continue holding the shares. But certainly, um, you know, I'd probably be looking for this to dip a bit lower maybe before before um, before the recovery. And as you said, John, you know, the headwinds that were that, uh, ASOS are facing, uh, and it's, a, it's those are global headwinds too, you know, because all, every country has been affected by inflation, by food pricing and so on so so there are a number of macro issues that the company has to has to deal with indeed you know asos has an app on you know millions of people's phones globally so you know that's that's a big step it's just what they do behind that app going forward to uh, to generate revenues with uh, an attractive margin uh, is going to be the key yeah uh, for for this company going forward. So let's now move on, Alan, to the second company that we're going to be looking at today. Again, a very healthy rise on the day. It's ECR Minerals, ones that we've discussed on the podcast on, on numerous occasions. They they tend to have a, a strong level of news uh, flow and it looks like that has been continued. So what's happened today, Alan? Well, it's, it's been a, it's been very much a, a red letter day to coin a phrase. Um, uh, it, the company has uh, a, a number of assets. Um, it's, it's a mining and exploration company um, with assets primarily in Victoria in, in uh, Australia. Um, the Creswick, uh, the Creswick asset, and the Bayliston asset, uh, which includes the uh, Bayliston, of course, includes the Blue Moon prospect. The, current, the company currently currently drilling. They also have an asset up in Lulworth Range in North Queensland, which uh, where there's a field team on the ground currently uh, collecting samples, and uh, that in order that the company can put together some drill targets and. Uh, uh, that the, 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 they've already found uh, visible gold up there, so that's that's a that's a, a, a real shot in the arm for them. But um, this morning, the company, sh- you know, I'm, I'm looking at the share price at the moment. It's been as high as 30 percent higher, up at point uh, nine p. 
0.9p, uh, currently 0.87p. Um, but uh, uh, last week, the company announced uh, it had completed its final drilling at Bayliston um, and pulls, uh, you know, it pulled some decent uh, grams out of the ground uh, in terms of gold from an area called the Marion's Glen. It was a geological anomaly, a kind of fold in the ground, which of course creates pockets for mineral mineralization. And um, it's uh, it reported a nine nine grams per ton composite grade over four meters, which it, which is a good reading. Um, as I say, the the team are drilling the Blue Moon asset there still, um, so. That's one that the chief exec, Andrew Haythorpe, is particularly uh, excited about, you know, because the mineralization is is broadly spread there. So instead of uh, one or two meters, you're talking seven to 10 to 11 meters. And that's, you know, that's uh, he's he's referred to it as, quote unquote, commercial, uh, 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 commercial grades. Um, we then come to today, and the reason for the share price drive today is that um, Andrew Haythorpe and Adam Jones visited the Kresic, uh, camp, the Kresic uh, asset early this year. And um, they, from a previous drilling campaigns, in particular the 2021 campaign, they, they extracted some, some good grades. But the, the, um, the mineralization there is, is uh, called, it's uh, a veiny mineralization. And also when you pull stuff out of the ground, you get this nuggety effect. So what they decided to do uh, after the visit was to retest the core samples there. And um, what they've done is they, they've they, they pulled they, it's something of a gold bonanza, really. I mean, they've pulled some really good grades out of the ground. Uh, seven meters, you know, seven meters of 47.75 grams, grams per ton. I mean, that's instantly commercial grade straight away. Not only that, um, ECR. Uh, have that uh, they recently sold one of their properties? They raised five hundred and fifty thousand pounds sterling, or nine hundred thousand Australian dollars. They have two other properties uh, and an asset in the Philippines, um, which the company has hinted that it will offload to add to the existing uh, uh, cash pile it has. Um, but it has a property at Brewing Lane, or the Brewing Lane, Brewery Lane property at Kresik, which is actually. On the land where these grades, uh, these grades are being found. So, unlike many mining companies which have to talk to the landowners and maybe cut them in to get access to the land to drill, they can just go straight on here, access the land. Uh, uh, they can store all their, their equipment there and actually get to work directly on the land there itself. So, this is really exciting. Um, the other factor is that, un again, unlike so many small cap drilling companies, ECR have a drilling rig that's their own drilling rig, the Midas rig, which is operating, uh, just finished operating at Bayliston. But they've also just bought a second rig, and that's arriving at Melbourne Port shortly. And what it means is they can get those rigs straight onto the land. They're, they're not hampered uh, by waiting for the team to arrive. They can just get straight on and do it. So um, despite the fact we've had delays, uh, uh, COVID-based delays, on getting getting uh, samples back from the laboratory, it means that in terms of drilling, they can crack on and do what they want when they want, and that's that's uh, that really sets them apart from other small cap um, small uh, small cap exploration companies. So uh, Andrew Haythorpe said today, you know, his visit to the Kresik tenements saw um, uh, with Adam Jones, he saw the potential on the ground for himself, and was he was convinced that the plan to retest the Kresik core samples was well justified. 
And with those sort of grades back today, we can see why. As I say, shares still up, um, still up, uh, 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 up uh, 27% at the moment. Giving the market capitalization of 9.2 million. I mean, really, with these assets on the ground, and also the the property assets the, uh, that the company has, it, you know, we are we're, we're way behind um, uh, where the company, I believe, should be valued. Um, and I'm sure as the news continues to arrive in the next few months, we're going to see a reset on the valuation for ECR Minerals. I, just look at this, and it's something that we speak about in the podcast on numerous occasions, Alan. You know what's happening in the uh, the junior resource sector at the moment. You know, just looking at the chart here of ECR, do you think that's you know a symptom of what's happening in the wider market? You know, looking at you know a bit a bit of decline that we've seen over the, the prior months. Of course, there's a good gain there today. Um, or do you think it's a case that you know maybe specifically with ECR, people are waiting, for, you know, hoping for a little bit more in the short term for them or is it just a wider market problem that we're seeing overall? It's been a wider market problem, um, uh, John. Uh, and, and, you know, we've seen, um, I think, you know, with resource companies, of course, you're, you're exploring for, uh, for metals, gold and, and assets. Um, and that process takes a long time. And it's always hard to relate, you know, the start point to the finish point. But the um, of course, it's well documented that uh, you know the previous chief executive, uh, Craig Brown, uh, died. In fact, nearly a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, which is very sad. But the new chief exec came in uh, in the spring this year, um, Andrew Haythorpe, and um, he's got a great track record. He's both a, a qualified geologist. He's run many companies, also a former analyst. Um, with uh, with an investment bank, uh, a, a gold analyst, so he's got a very deep understanding of the markets, um, and he's he's very uh, you know Andrew's Andrew's uh, always cautiously optimistic. You know he's not he's not one to go out and say oh this is fantastic we can do this straight away. He's he's his his approach is cautious and pragmatic, and and uh, he's you know he's he's taking this stage by stage, but he's got a track record also. He developed a company called Crescent Mining from a from an eight million dollar gold exploration company into a two hundred fifty million uh, 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 gold producer. So he took that company all the way through. So he understands the process, and um, of course, as shareholders in ECR, um, you know, I'm sure, uh, many people will be uh, uh, hoping he can do the same here. But I think he's got all the tools at his disposal to do that. Yes, indeed. I'm sure one that I'm going to be updating on the podcast in due course. So the last company we're going to look at today, Alan, is also one that we've discussed on the podcast previously, Technology Minerals. I'm looking at headlines of acquisitions. So what's happening here? Well, Technology Minerals, I believe today, has finally removed the overhang in the markets that has dogged the stock for uh, a long time, um, the company was uh, came to market to, uh, uh, at the end of last year. Um, Chief Exec uh, Alex Stanbury um, and uh, Executive Chairman Robin Brundle. Uh, of course, Robin Brundle is very well known in the motorsport industry as the brother of uh, uh, of Martin Brundle. And Robin, uh, through his contacts, has really driven this. Excuse the pun. He's driven the uh, the business hard uh, along with Alex to to develop it. But it's it's uh, the first the UK's first or the first UK listed sustainable circular economy company for the battery metals industry. The company has a a, a bunch of mining assets. It has the Idaho Blackbird project, uh, which is a cobalt 
um, and copper project, and that's uh, progressing nicely. The Emporium project, which is also cobalt, a, uh, an asset in Cameroon, um, the, uh, the, which is uh, also um, a nickel and cobalt asset, and an asset in Ireland, uh, which is the Leinster asset prospective for lithium. Then we have the Astermet um, asset in Spain, um, and that's uh, that's the northwest Spain. That's uh, seven exploration permits, and that's prospective for cobalt, nickel, and copper. So that's the that's where the new metals are going to come from. On the other side of it, they have a company called Recyclus, which was a forty nine percent owned company, and Recyclus is developing a blueprint for industrial scale uh, recycling. Uh, of batteries and these are lead acid batteries and also lithium batteries in order to do that they've had to that uh, they've had to work to develop um, battery boxes which make it safe in other words safe transportation for batteries from uh, from the storage depot to the recycling plant um, and uh, you know logistically that's been a, a big infrastructure to set up but they now have the blueprint for that I know Robin and Robin, Alex and the team are taking this out around the world to talk to different companies and different automotive um, uh, uh, organizations um, as to how they can how they can sort how they can recycle their batteries at end of life. Um, and the recycling business is hugely profitable. They put some numbers beside it, which indicated that um, once the two there are two plants that have just been commissioned, they've been awaiting uh, approval from the uh, EA, the Environmental Agency, um, and that's now progressed. Um, we have the uh, the Tipton Recycling Plant uh, and the Wolverhampton Plant. Uh, they're, they're lit, uh, one's a lead acid plant, the other is a lithium uh, recycling plant. And from that, um, the, uh, the the material that's recycled um, uh, is, is worth an awful lot of money. Um, has a contract with Slicker, Slicker Recycling to uh, already to uh, to process uh, uh, batteries for recycling, but um, certainly if you look at lead recycled, that's uh, worth uh, you know eleven hundred pounds per ton. Um, and then from the lithium batteries, um, the the black mass that's created from recycling lithium batteries um, is worth just under five thousand. Uh, pounds per ton so that's hugely valuable you know and can be resold into the market and those metals therefore go through their entire life cycle and they get recycled back into the back into the uh, the, the the process again so the company currently has um, a uh, it, it's currently uh, trading 1.7p shares are up nearly 20 percent this morning and that's on the news that um, from owning 49 percent of recyclers the company has finally agreed to acquire the entire share capital of Recyclers, which is, uh, which will be a huge relief because it means now Recyclers operations are fully integrated with Technology Minerals PLC, and that's vitally important. And I think, uh, and I think that's removed, to my mind, the final overhang that uh, that has been uh, really dogging the company throughout the year. Also, also a, a lot of progress with the mining projects uh, as we've gone forward this year. So I think, uh, you know, now that's complete, now those plants are coming on stream, I think we're going to see an awful lot of news from the company and, uh, you know, a potential revaluation in the coming uh, uh, weeks and months. I mean, just looking here back to the interim results, which slightly delayed earlier on this year, uh, Alan, there wasn't any revenue rec- recorded in the period to the end of, of last year. I mean, is there any visibility on, on when 
technology minerals will be able to start recording revenue. Um, well, that's entirely what delayed uh, what delayed it more than anything were were the, were the, um, the getting the necessary uh, permissions in place from the various agencies, and of course. Uh, you know, I mentioned the lab delays with COVID for ECR minerals just now. There have been delays in various government departments um, also through, yeah, through through COVID, through sickness. And that's uh, although people are now back at work, it has been it has continued to be a factor because there's been a backlog. And I'm sure we're seeing it, you know, across across so many different uh, businesses and industries that because of COVID backlogs, some companies are still catching up but uh, but nonetheless the once these once the uh, the recycling plants are up and running um, then literally it's um, it's like a sausage factory it'll just keep churning out the uh, the metals will be resold back into the marketplace and it will solve um, you know one what will be a huge problem as we go forward particularly for EVs and clean technology um, is that there is a shortage and there will be a supply squeeze at some point for battery metals and what uh, recyclers are doing and technology minerals, they're dealing with that um, by taking what's already out there, um, end of life and putting it back into the market so it, it, it can be reused. And that's, uh, you know, that's, um, it, it's, it's crucial. And I think what's surprising is that um, it hasn't really been thought about by governments around the world. It, it's something that I think a lot of Governments around the world have thought, well, we'll have to deal with that at some point, but we'll, you know, I'm sure we can get in contact with people at that at the appropriate time. But of course, um, technology minerals have seen that issue emerging, and they're out there now. They have a blueprint in place for this, and I think uh, what they've got is a hugely scalable business on the back of that. Yes, yes, and sure, I'm sure be investors will be interested to see the revenue figures when they start to, to to come through because obviously the operations that they do are vital to meeting net zero and climate change goals by 2050. So I'd be pleased to see any updates from the company in due course. So just as a recap now of, of the stocks that we discussed today, first of all, of course, was ASOS with a ticker of ASC. It was then... ECR Minerals with a ticker of ECR. And just to finish off there was Technology Minerals with a ticker of TM1. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, John. So just as a, a note to listeners, we have the next instalment of our virtual conferences coming up on the 8th of November. It's going to be focused on investment trusts this time around. And actually mentioning there, looking at climate change goals, a number of the trusts there are focused on renewable technologies. So if that's a sector that you're particularly interested in, do look at the events section on the UK Investor Magazine website where you'll be able to get yourself signed up. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.